Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, June 16th. That is why I'm smiling. I know that we're on a podcast, but I am smiling. And usually when I see uh, camp people around, you know, any anytime after June 1st, um, I feel like I'm smiling and they're, they're smiling, but, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure coming. And uh, my name is Benny Krause. I'm the principal of SAR. This is our podcast uh, called Opening Up, where we're trying to talk about issues in education related to SAR um, and beyond. Um, and at this point, we thought it would make sense to talk to some camp people. Um, and I couldn't think of better camp people than the the two guests that we have here. Um, so like I said, as I'm smiling, because tomorrow's the last day of school, um, the first day of camp is is coming up pretty soon. I think Mosheva goes first on June 28th and Morasha a couple of days um, after that. Um, we are here with the director of Camp Mosheva, Alan Silverman. He's been the director of Camp Mosheva for over 30 years. I will say he was also my seventh and eighth grade, or maybe eighth grade, math teacher at SAR. I did very well in the regents, and that has nothing to do with me, but all to do with my teacher. He has degrees in education and science education, was the assistant principal at SAR Academy in Riverdale before making Aliyah. Alan was also the educational director of B'nai Akiva of North America, has taught math and science. Alan and his wife, Rachel, live in Alon Shvut, and they have five children. Alan, thank you very much for being here. We are also here with Jeremy Joseph, the director of Camp Morasha. Jeremy's been the director of Camp Morasha for at least for the last 10 plus years, so I guess we'll get an exact number in a second. Supervising all aspects of camp programming, staffing, facilities, fundraising, alumni development, board development, recruitment, and marketing. After studying at Shalavim, Jeremy attended Yeshiva University, where he graduated with BA in marketing during his time at YU. Jeremy ran Yeshiva University's Torah Leadership Network, Torah Tours, and worked as a freelance graphic designer, primarily doing work for the Center for the Jewish Future. Welcome, Jeremy. Pleasure. Um, uh, thank you both for being here. And I will just say, again, in terms of a personal connection, first of all, as the principal of SAR, um, we have a lot of kids that go to, um, to lots of different camps, but we have a lot of students at SAR who go to Moshava and, and to Morasha. Um, I myself was a Morasha Kolel uh, uh, participant, as well as the uh, high, high school Kolel counselor uh, back in the day. Um, and my kids... Uh, have gone. I have uh, my daughter Perry went to Camp Morasha. My other kids went to Moshava. Um, and uh, we have a lot of love and respect uh, for both of these institutions. So again, we really, really appreciate you taking the. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Uh, Jeremy is is at his home in Long Island. But how much time have you spent in Long Island over the last six weeks? Uh, yeah, not not much. You could ask my wife. She could tell you exactly how many hours I've been home. Uh, it's a pleasure to be in camp, but it's also a pleasure to spend a few moments, last moments at home get, as we get ready for the summer. Okay. How about you, Alan? Well, I've been here since the, I've been here in camp in Pennsylvania since the beginning of May. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, pre-camp, uh, groups that come up here. We, uh, both high school groups. In fact, we had SCR sixth grade here as we do, uh, annually, uh, big programs over Memorial Day and, uh, pre, pre-parade and Shavuot. But bar mitzvah this weekend, so yeah. uh, think you know we're able to use the facility even before the big show starts. Uh, right. with coming up next week. That's interesting. Maybe we'll jump into that. I mean that that's that feels like a new phenomenon. I think I, I know that actually that our SAR seniors were at Morashai. I know that we had kids at Mosheva. So so I mean, has that become kind of more core to the business, so to speak, in terms of? And I know it's it's a not for profit. I know it's an educational institution, and we'll talk about that. But in terms of you know being open from I don't know is it Memorial Day Labor Day or is it beyond? Tell me about that. 
uh, we're, you know, sort of rule of thumb for at least for Moshavah would be May 15th through September 15th. Um, sometimes we'll start a little bit earlier. It gets cold. It stays cold at night here in the Pocono Mountains and can be very uncomfortable since we have limited heated uh, facilities. And so uh, we want to make sure that anyone who comes here at least has that potential to be comfortable. It's not always even later in, in May or beginning of June. It can still be cold at night, but uh, at least there's a better chance that, that you know, that won't happen. Um, and yes, it's become more of a part of what's going on. Uh, you know, we hosted, for example, Frisch last year uh, for five or six days, you know, post-pandemic. Uh, we had a thousand people here for five or six days uh, in later May, uh, beginning of June. So I think it does uh, opportunities, you know, to have a beautiful facility, you know, like we have and like Morasha has. And for, you know, obviously in the dead of winter, we can't use it because we don't have enough uh, winterized facilities. But to be able to use them, I think, is very, very important, especially as a nonprofit. Jeremy, how about Marsha? First of all, I want to say I love hearing the words post-pandemic from Alan Silverman. That just makes me, that just warms <laughs> my heart to hear that. Uh, we view the rentals, to be completely honest, uh, not so much as a profit-generating um, program uh, and effort, but really, we only host two or three events every year. We did have the SAR Seniors last, uh, this past Shabbos, which was beautiful, inspiring to watch that program happen really really incredible i had a great time um yeah it was incredible and we, had, we actually hosted our first wedding i know you just said alan you're hosting bar mitzvah we had our first wedding memorial day weekend which wow. was also very very special yes yeah, it, it was very impressive how they transformed the facility for that uh, but we had to be completely transparent and honest we use these rentals uh to force ourselves to get our facility ready um i'm not saying they're guinea pigs <laughs> but it is very helpful to know where, uh, which showers don't have hot water yet uh, before, like Alan said, the big show uh, begins. Great. So, so if you want to have your wedding at Morasha, you'll help us find out which showers don't work. And when our kids get there, everything's going to be perfect. Okay, good. Exactly. Good to know. Wow, it. that's really interesting. Okay, thanks for sharing that. So let me, let, let's get to the core of this. And, and this is why we're having this conversation. Um, uh, I wrote some notes in front of, uh, in front of me, handoff from school to camp. I guess, you know, Right, schools. It's interesting. SIR, they say, uh, you know, some, I, I take it as a compliment. I, I hope it's meant that way. People say, oh, SIR is like camp. Um, and I think what they mean by that is kids feel, hopefully, feel good here, feel free here, etc. Um, I, I don't know if you take it as a compliment if someone would say, you know, Morasha or Mosheva is like school. Um, hmm. At the same time, I guess I would ask you, like, what are you? Uh, is, is it a, is it a educational institution? Is it a mental health? break or opportunity like how do you see when you think about what you're trying to do and then you try to execute it um you know you've been doing this i'm talking about a combined 50 plus years over here like how do you look at it you could jump in well we'll we'll figure it out Je jeremy here you're on you're green on my yeah screen. i mean look alan is a legend here so i i feel foolish going before him in, the, in this in this question but um we look every camp has its own mission um, so my answer might be different than Alan's, and Alan's might be different than another camp directors, all of them being beautiful. Um, and Morasha, we certainly view camp as an educational experience, uh, but we do believe that in a camp environment and setting um, and how the campers are completely um, engulfed um, and immersed in, in an environment like summer camp, it's such a powerful powerful opportunity uh, to impact children for better and potentially for worse. The impact is so great. So we take that potential seriously and we understand the educational value and, and potential that we could have in that type of immersive environment. 
Um, but we view the the our mission to is to not only educate. We school we view as primarily in terms of formal education, but we think camp needs to be fun. Uh, we think the baseline of camp needs to be fun, needs to be exciting, needs to be filled with positive energy and creativity, creative programming. And through that vehicle of fun, through the events, through the trips, through the daily activities, that is where we educate our children on the courts, on the fields, in the studios, um, on the trips. So the, the question that we always grapple with as we're designing our program is how, to, how do we take this fun activity and infuse it, weave into it, educational values or content. Um, and those are two different things. Educational content sometimes is through an experiential educational event and educational values could be anywhere in camp. And that's not only the programming that we design, but first and foremost, the staff that we hire. Right. I was going to say that. I mean, you have a lot of educators, a lot of, a lot of teachers who are teaching during the year are, are, are coming to camps over the summer. Yeah. I know that firsthand. Sure. That's true, but for, it is true. We have incredible formal educators that come, but we do believe that it's really the frontline staff, the Got ones it. that are interacting 24-7, the counselors, the specialty staff that really have that impact the most. And maybe I could, maybe we'd say, you know, kind of backwards, maybe a lot of those people who are kind of jumping into education through camp, then maybe they, they choose to become educators, whether it's formal or informal, because of their camp experience. So you said you were, you were one of them. I, <laughs> you was, were one. I was one of them. I was. Uh, Alan. There's no question that uh, camp is a profound, immersive experience, giving the opportunity. In fact, based on my, you know, having been at SCR for many years uh, and worked there both as a teacher and an administrator, you know, that that's where they might talk about SCR like being like a camp because it truly is an immersive experience in terms of the both the connections and and the kind of uh, atmosphere that's created there. But uh, that's certainly what camp is all about. So it, a little bit different than Morris Shaw. Well, there's no question that kids come to camp because they want to have fun and they want to be with their friends in particular. Um, but our raison d'etre for sure is a, a religious Zionist experience. That's a central part of what we do. And, and we expend a huge amount of effort and, and time and money. Uh, we have a, a team of people, uh, five educators working year round, working on the, on the summer theme that we integrate much somewhat similar to what uh, what Jeremy described, but through experiential learning, making it fun, making it active, uh, with the more, uh, but but with the I think with the greater focus. For example, this summer, uh, since it's 55 years since the reunification of Jerusalem, so we're celebrating learning about Jerusalem, we're learning about Yerushalayim. So the the theme of Yerushalayim will permeate throughout all that we do during the week on Shabbat, in particular, with a wide variety of kinds of activities you might ask about later. For example, um, we always try to design a game, take a, a, let's say, Ticket to Ride, and the kids all love to play Ticket to Ride. So we design our version of Ticket to Ride with the Jerusalem theme. And the kids, for example, especially on Shabbat, so in a fun way, they're sitting at a table with their friends, they're playing Ticket to Ride, they love the game, uh, but they're learning all about Jerusalem. Right. We can have little kids that are running around trying to collect stickers to fill their sticker book because they're going to get some kind of prize. And each of the stickers is a story or, or somebody, a, a famous place, a famous person or whatever it might sure. be, et cetera, and a wide variety of other things. And I think um, that is something that, that for sure is unique, you know, uh, you know, unique to us and something that we really, you know, together with the other things that are, are that we share, you know, whether beautiful tefillot, um, you know, limut Torah, on a daily basis, but again, in, a, in a act, a pro, in an active and engaging way. It's sure. not meant to be school, 
Um, school has its function and does it beautifully. And our job is now to extend it uh, and do it in a different way. We want them really to love learning Torah in an out-of-school setting. Right. And is the goal, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll ask it anyway. Is the goal, you saw religious Zionism, is, is the goal Aliyah? Is the goal connection to Israel? Is the goal Hebrew language? I know that you bring, I don't know what the number is, 50, 100 people from Israel every summer? Uh, probably more than that. Uh, okay. Certainly... Certainly, when I do the when I do the uh, the sessions with the staff and talk about the uh, the objectives um, of uh, Camp Moshava, did we just lose them, Jeremy? Oh, there they are. Uh, let me go back. When when I do the the goals and objectives of what Moshava is about, so I certainly say that we see Aliyah as a, a, a central goal for all Jewish people. Uh, throughout the world and certainly and certainly in the United States. We know that not everyone's going to be able to do that, but that at least that all of our staff and campus should see that as, as a central goal uh, for a Jewish person. Um, and uh, we make that, we certainly make that a central role. We, for example, uh, the last Shabbat of each month, we celebrate all those that are making Aliyah, all the campers and all the staff. Mm-hmm. We give out a, a backpack. It's become a, a big deal. They, they all look forward to it. And in fact, we have staff who later on decide to make Aliyah. And they'll contact us. Can, I pl- contact us? Can we please have a Moshava backpack? You get a you one-way know? ticket to Israel and a backpack for Moshava. That's a pretty good deal. Yep. And, okay. and I, that's how I carry when I, you know, I commute every other week. And I, that's what I carry. That's what I take on Sounds good. Right. Uh, Jeremy, is there a theme for this summer? Is there a theme every summer? I, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly a difference between how we approach education in CAM. Um, Moshevah, not to speak for Moshevah, certainly has this incredible singular focus of religious Zionism. Sometimes having that one singular focus, because it's it, it's so, you know, there's so much emphasis on it, it's so powerful. In Moshevah, we certainly have a broader perspective um, on education. It centers certainly more around Jewish values. Uh, we have seven core values at every camper. I believe <laughs> I will challenge anyone listening to this to stop every uh, any more shot camper or staff member to name the seven values. I believe they will be. We able always to. wonder about um, that. We have a theme of the year, and we always wonder if they got if they got whatever we wrote in our in our memos. But okay, I'm, yeah, so I'm happy the, the values are con- the values are consistent though every summer. That's that's not an annual thing. We do have an annual educational theme. Uh, on parallel to the values um, the, of the of the camp, whether it's mutual respect, something we call observant study, not only learning about your Judaism but living it, uh, responsibility, appreciation, skill building, heart and soul, and after those seven core values are woven through everything we do, just in terms of living in, in the camp community. And then yes, there's an educational theme that's different each summer, like SAR has in their academic school year. Uh, we've had various themes like count your blessings. This past year was recognition, appreciating. Uh, we recognizing all the blessings in our life, and then and then this coming summer is uh, is people of passion, um, which is not only doing things that we are expected to do, but to do it and you know not with apathy, but with passion um, and with a positive energy, which I think we feel is something that our kids these days really uh, need a little bit more of. Right, wonderful. Um, let's talk about you know. Obviously, I've been to visiting day, although I think you don't have visiting day this year. Um, we do. We oh, do. you do? It's back? Okay. Marasha has visiting day back. and Marasha does not. We'll talk about that. We could talk about COVID in a second um, or post-COVID in a second. <laughs> no, we don't have to. Um, but I, it, it definitely feels like camp and and as, as it should. Camp has changed since uh, I went to camp uh, 30 years ago or 
35 years ago. Um, how would how would you describe that in terms of the programs that you're offering, in terms of the kids' expectations or parents' expectations? Maybe give me a couple of couple of key differences that you can that you can think of uh, then and now, the 80s and now. I was I was being born in the 80s. <laughs> okay, the 90s. <laughs> I can tell you what I heard. Um, I'll take this one first, I guess. Um, yeah, there's clearly a difference in camping now than there was, but that makes sense because the world is different. Uh, the context in which we find ourselves is different. Um, there are certainly very tangible things that make it different. The fact that technology affords uh, the opportunity, I think it is an opportunity, but it also could be a challenge of instant communication between home and camp. Um, is a great opportunity for us to be able to share the incredible things that are happening back uh, to the parents at home, but it also gives the parents an opportunity to quickly, and I'm sure you you know know this as an administrator, and your kids go home every day, right, and are able to tell that you know so so that's a different dynamic. But the, for the parents to be able to email us and call us, which we love to hear from them and communicate with them, but it's a lot. It's definitely the job of a director now um, in terms of our own roles. You know, my role and Alan's role is just different, and and at what our day looks like is different now that we have a cell phone and an email address. Then I would imagine uh, Tzvi Reich had sure. in 1964. Um, and then in terms of the programming and vibe of the camp, you know, kids are exposed to experiences throughout the year that are just elevated experiences. And there's two ways to approach that. And perhaps Alan and I might have, I'm not, I don't want to be presumptuous here, but we, there are different philosophies and approaches of how to approach uh, that in terms of the experiences that a lot of the children in our community are blessed to have and how that could translate into the programming of camp. Um, we have a, a slow, it's not, I don't want to call it a slogan because that implies marketing. We have an evaluation in camp um, called Happy or Jappy. Um, we are here to make our kids happy. Uh, we are not here to make them spoiled or in, uh, feed into any sense of entitlement. So when we're talking about a program or we're talking about a concert or we're talking about a carnival, or we're talking about a trip, will that make them happier? And therefore through that enjoyment, we're able to accomplish our primary mission of education or is it feeding into any sense of Japanese entitlement? Or So that's an evaluation that we have to make. Um, we are not perfect at it. Uh, but it is something we take seriously. So when we're talking about, let's say this isn't a programming thing, there's a facility thing, when we're talking about air conditioning in the bunks. Happy so, for, so for years, I said Jappy. <laughs> and I fought against that for many, many years because I grew up in camp without that. And I thought that was over the line of Jappy, to the, to the Jappy um, side of the scale. But over the years, you know, my very wholesome camp mom from Charleston, South Carolina, now lives in Queens, you might know her, um, she is the, she is the most down to earth host, you know, camp mom, uh, and, and staff member we have. And she said, Jeremy, I, you know, I know you're against the air conditioning, come into a bunk. It was where, when I was wearing glasses, my glasses fogged up. It was incredibly, not only hot, but tangibly humid. And I said, this isn't a jet. This is a safety thing. You know, I would not want my own children. I have younger children. They're not in bunks yet. I would not want my own children to have this in our bunks. Our bunks are insulated. So perhaps they're hotter than other camps. Um, so that was, it went from me thinking to really a safety decision. And this is really to make them happy and safe and healthy and not a jet. So there is that evaluation and camp certainly has changed 
over the years of what an experience at summer camp might look like programmatically, facility-wise, et right. cetera. But I love that. I love that way of thinking about it and thinking about whether this is just kind of giving into something that you, that's really not consistent with your values or whether it's just, okay, well, things change and, you know, needs, needs perhaps change. How about Alan? What's different? I know there's a ropes course. I don't think there was a ropes course in the 80s. Well, there was, but it was totally different. It didn't work. It was the old, the old style Omega. <laughs> I remember the Omega. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, that, that was a camp. So I think, you know, mo you know, mo it, long time ago when I took over and, and before, you know, Moshevah was known for its ruggedness, et cetera, in, in all ways, both in terms of the facility, in terms of the kinds of activities and programs, et cetera. And, um, you know, after I took over 38 years ago and in the first 10 years, it became clear that that really wasn't, you know, that really wasn't an option. Um, you know, we had to improve the facilities, both the physical facilities and the kind of activities and programs that, that uh, um, that we offered so and so we've done that we've greatly improved the facilities uh, both the grounds and the facilities and you know uh, obviously with a with the with the more modern focus on on safety uh both you know for everyone involved etc safety and training in all areas and, and i think we see that we're not up to air conditioning in the bunks we're still in that sense although uh, a lot of times i found that uh, when i go into a really hot bunk all the windows were closed because in the morning it was cool yeah. and they closed the windows and then uh, later in the afternoon, when it get hot, no one opened the windows, and so there was no ventilation. It doesn't mean it does. It does get hot. Um, uh, I think that's a that that by itself is a huge difference. The amount of staff that we have, the amount of adults that we have sure. in camp has grown uh, significantly. I think that's the kind of supervision, the kind of direction that parents are looking for as far as their children go. Uh, the number of psychologists that we have in camp, and not just the number of uh, medical professionals, all you know, pretty much in all areas, both in terms of programmatic areas, support areas, uh, um, you know, in terms of taking care of children, um, in terms of uh, the number of counselors. When I was growing up, you know, it was one counselor per bunk, and wow. I would be upset if someone would suggest to me there needs to be a second counselor. These are my kids. You know, I'll have my 10 or 12 kids or 15 kids are mine. I want them, you know, kind of thing. And, and now we have three counselors per bunk, sometimes even more. Um, and the kind of support that they need, the direction they need uh, has changed significantly with the world and with their with the needs and with some of the issues that uh, that Jeremy that Jeremy mentioned before. Um, right. Certainly, uh, whether post pandemic or close to post pandemic, however you want to call it, um, we certainly and and I know you've, uh, Jeremy's seen it. We certainly, you've certainly seen it in school, but socialization school skills where kids were not in, in school at all or at home for long periods of time and have the opportunity to socialize in the same way this year, of course, has helped now. Everyone's back in school. Um, but we certainly saw it last summer in terms of the kind of support that we had, you know, that we had to provide sure. other kinds of, of issues. You're seeing more anxiety and depression, other kinds of, uh, of issues that need to be worked through. Uh, and therefore, we've hired a lot more staff to make sure, uh, sure, sure a lot more focus during staff training on mental health uh, and other kinds of issues besides all the safety and legal and other things that we're responsible uh, to present to the staff in terms of their orientation. Got it. OK, that, that's that's helpful in terms of the way you the way you think about that. And, and to right, you're right. Obviously, you know, it's interesting. Whenever I talk to people that come from Israel, they want to know how many teachers we have in a classroom and they're shocked by the ratio. So sometimes it's cultural, sometimes it evolves with time, but 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 things do change. And that's really interesting to, to hear about. The last couple of uh, conversations we had on this podcast were around 
school affordability. Um, it was around our budget season. Then the second one was around government support for schools, but it's really all around affordability. Um, and, and I want to talk about that. I mean, you know, living in the modern Orthodox community and the Orthodox community um, is is hard. I mean, there's a lot of conversation about um, you know, the, the challenges of, of giving your kids a, you know, a, a day school education. Um, and when it comes to camp, um, I think we, I, I don't know if you hear about it as a crisis in the same kind of way, maybe people don't talk about it, but the truth is you're talking about 10 weeks off. I mean, people need to be, be doing something with their kids. Camp is not, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't know if most people see it as a, as, as a luxury, but really something that's, that's an important part of a, of a child's development. Um, I'd be interested, and I know that there are diff different camps think about this differently. I actually know that both of you are are partners of ours, really in trying in terms of trying to help uh, kids uh, get to camp and and help make it affordable. And and I'm really proud of some of the things that have happened um, with all of us and the partnerships that we've been able to have and the communication that we've had regularly um, to allow kids to go to uh, to go to camp. Um, but maybe can you give us a little bit of a window into the economics of, of camp? Uh, you don't have to put your budget on the screen or anything like that, but where are the, you know, where, where's it all coming from? Where's it going? The expense side, the revenue side, just, you know, give us a little bit of a window into that. Jeremy, go ahead. I think camp is different than school uh, because school is community-based, geographic-based, um, and therefore kids within the community have only a certain amount of options that are geographically within a certain radius of distance sure. to, their, to their residents. Uh, camp is different. Everyone is traveling for the most part to a camp so they can choose a camp that fits best demographically, financially uh, for their own personal interest. Um, that being said, we want to have, uh, philosophically our camp wants to have a wide range of families that attend their camp. Um, I think every camp is expensive. Um, it's in, in our modern Orthodox cohort of camps. Uh, I, I, it's expensive. You know, we're talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. So we want to make sure that um, people have the opportunity to experience what we have to offer. Um, so we have two different scholarship opportunities that we are proud of. One of them is a typical scholarship uh, program where, you know, if you, you could roughly afford a sleepaway experience, but you want to come to the more shot experience, which might be a little bit more, a little bit harder to, to reach, the, you know, pay that full price. We have a scholarship process similar to school that people can apply for a scholarship. Uh, there's a form, you know, the, what sure. you might find on a regular form. And we, we've, we've awarded, we're happy, we're proud to be able to award every single person um, who applied and was eligible for a scholarship. We were able to afford that scholarship to every single family that asked for one. Um, then there are kids that just can't afford any camp. They, it's just not in the cards to be able to spend that type of money. So we have a secondary scholarship program called the Outreach Scholarship Program, which you know about, where we partner with school principals, that school principals who are more in the know of kids who might not be able to attend any sleepaway camp, that we have this outreach program that we partnered, like I said, with the principals, that they can nominate campers, students in their schools who are, have no plans for the summer, who are not able to afford any, any day camp, certainly any sleepaway camp. And they're able to nominate, nominate those children who could benefit from a sleepaway overnight experience. Um, and we take those nominations and we accept, we've accepted every single camper um, who was nominated for this year for a second session um, experience at camp at, a, at an incredibly reduced reduced rate, most most of whom the, the, the school ends up paying for, mm -hmm. uh, or they have other outside funding. So 
we're proud of those two scholarships. Where does the money come from? It comes out of our operating budget. Um, mm -hmm. That's something that the camp, you know, includes in our operating budget. And just for a second about the expenses, like what, 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 are, the, what are the biggest costs? I would imagine food. I'm just, you serve three meals a day. I'm trying to serve one, so. Uh, food, salaries, yeah. Uh, yeah, food, salaries, insurance, insurance. Uh, uh, maintenance, uh, maintenance of the facility. We both have large facilities with many, uh, many buildings and many things to take care of uh, that really add up over the course. Again, they, there's a lot of wear and tear, believe it or not. It's in the summer when people are in them, but just the winters are quite harsh. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's really a lot to do. Uh, similar to Jeremy, we have a, a you know, a, a full, uh, you know, financial aid program, uh, giving a wide variety of uh, support to both, uh, you know, those who need moderate uh, amounts and those who need uh, significant amounts. We also partner with uh, many schools, including with SAR, in terms of trying to get those children who either need to be in camp and can't afford it at all, or, or, or or need you know significant help, and, and we're involved with that as well. We've started uh, since um, since the pandemic when we weren't open in in, in 220, um, and of course that was everyone knows that you know the, you have fixed costs no matter what, and it was a you know obviously we lost we had zero income in that year and therefore uh, lost a lot of money. So we've been, we started you know you know fundraising campaigns to help. The, the scholarship and to help to deal with uh, the loans, other things we had to do to be able to make it through and, and continue to run a high level program and take care of the facility the way it needs to be taken care of. Um, but uh, as far as costs, I think all of us, uh, we set our prices uh, in uh, let's say August or early September. Uh, and now we all know that the world is in the last 10 months or 11 months has changed significantly. And the costs have gone up in all areas you know, last year, maybe we were paying a little bit below $3 a gallon in gasoline. And I just filled up at 5.30 here uh, down in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. And everything that's related to gas, cost of food has gone up significantly. Chain of supply, getting things that you need, you have to pay a lot more for almost everything. Obviously, we're not raising our prices. Uh, uh, just yesterday when I was reviewing our uh, our bus costs, we have a lot of busing costs. Our bus comes in, oh, by the way. By the way, we're adding a 10% surcharge for gasoline. Now we're not, obviously we're not passing on a 10% surcharge to our parents, despite the fact that the costs are gonna probably be more than that. And that's gonna create a real uh, a challenge for us as we think you know, in our boards and we meet and try to figure out what are we gonna do for next, for next year, unless there's a, some kind of uh, crazy change over the summer that we don't anticipate. Right. Um, but right. right now, and I hear this from many camp directors, and I'm sure from Jeremy as well, that, you know, we're, we know that the, the budgets that we made in the fall are simply not anywhere accurate. They're, they're right. way off. Right. And listen, I'm sure, you know, both families and institutions and businesses, I guess, are all, you we're know, all, you know we're trying all to figure this out. Not, it's a challenging time, for sure. I would, and, and uh, you know. And we, and we certainly know the challenge to families in terms of Jewish education. And, and as we said throughout this, we're, we're partners, we're a team working together. You're taking care of them, you know, at nine, 10 months a year, we're taking care of them in the summer for a month or for two months. And as a team, we're working together to make sure that they're growing in, in all the ways that we're committed to. And right. we want to try to make it as affordable as we possibly can. Sure. Uh, uh, one other thing that is true is that we hire, and I'm sure it's true for Jeremy as well, we hire a lot of staff. And I can tell you significantly more than we need to effectively run the camp. 
because they're also an important target group in the sense that they need to be in a wholesome Jewish environment where they can be both contributing and they get paid obviously, but they're contributing, uh, uh, you know, with being a Dugmai sheet and being a personal example and setting the atmosphere and doing all the things that they do. They're in the trenches really educating the kids, but that, that's number one, but they're also getting educated. They're not in a place where they're just working and going home at night and watching the computers or, or whatever they might be. They're in a wholesome Jewish environment with a chance to meet other young people their age. And also we provide them with serious uh, educational opportunities uh, during the summer, as well as the social and the fun and all the other kinds of things. And that's an important part of what we do. And so, you know, let's say we, uh, we have X number of kids and some people hear how many staff we have. Well, oh my gosh, how come you have so many staff? And the answer is that's why we have so many staff, because that's part of our mission as a nonprofit and as a mission-driven camp uh, to be able to provide that opportunity. That's a really important point. So, so actually the staff, and again, I could say it as a parent of, uh, of staff members in, 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 in your camp, Alan, and I could say it as my, from my experience with Marisha as well, that those are, those are very, very positive and formative experiences for, for our older kids. And, and, and I've never thought of it that way in terms of hiring staff as part of your mission, but it makes a lot of sense. Jeremy, you feel the same way? Yeah. Um, I, I guess just to start yeah, yeah. I think one of the reasons there were so many reasons why um, Alan mentioned the COVID summer when we had to decide to close one of the hardest parts of that decision, like I said, amongst many was because not only were the campers going to lose out on their these transformative experiences, but the staff, these teenagers, they gain so much and grow so much from their experience working at camp and having that responsibility, I um, mean that expectations that that they really rise to those those expectations and to the occasion for them to miss out also on their staff here uh, was also was a was a huge loss um, and made that decision very very difficult. Sure. Excellent. Also, quick, quick. Go ahead, Al. Go ahead. I just wanted to emphasize uh, as as at, at Morishah. The leadership opportunities that they have, whether as counselors or division heads and other kinds of areas that they work, are really, really important. In fact, uh, our argument, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy and I have certainly talked about this, is, you know, often we're competing with internships, you know, and that often parents feel our child has to have an internship because they're going into this area or they, you know, or, or some other area. And our argument is, you know what, they come to camp, they serve in leadership roles. Um, most employers look at that and really value it tremendously, perhaps even more than doing a brief internship where perhaps they're not really being challenged or learning all that much anyway. And, I, and I'm certainly writing recommendations all the time. All year, every year I get rec you know, requests for recommendations on a wide variety of things. And I can tell you that when I speak to employers or when I write to them, they really appreciate it. say, this is meaningful to us. These are the kind of people that we want to employ in the future. So uh, camp really fulfills a, 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 you know, a multiplicity of roles in so many areas, both for campers and for staff and all the people that are involved. There Absolutely. were so many years. There were so many years when I was like 18, 19, 20, when people were like, Jeremy, when are you going to get a real job already? And I look and be like, the things I'm doing are so real. <laughs> I don't know. So what do you mean by that question? Uh, I completely agree with Alan. Very real and affecting a lot of lives. I'm, I'm going to finish within the next uh, three minutes, but very quick, uh, I guess some numbers. How many kids in camp, how staff are coming to your camps in, uh, in this summer? Well, roughly, don't give me an exact number. So I know that it changes every day, but. We're going to see uh, uh, probably close to 1600 different campers between all the programs and about 700 different staff members wow. over the course of the two months. Yeah, I, 
I don't like to scare our parents, so I want to say this roughly the same as, as Alan. We're very excited. <laughs> and we care about every single one of them. We'll take it. 1,600 and 700 times two. Um, and uh, <laughs> that, that's a lot of people that you're taking care of. A lot of people obviously responsible for you. And, uh, and I know that, I know that you do great work. I, you know, again, just, just go back to that last thing and that, that partnership that we have is, I hope that some of our listeners from the outside will, will, will appreciate that and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, replicate it because to be able to know that you could send, you know, any kid that, that should be in camp can be in camp but when you have a partnership between schools and, um, and, and, we have, you know, thank God, uh, people within our schools who are who wanted to support it, and then partnerships with camps to do that. It's a very, very beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, how many days till camp starts? Twelve. Twenty-eight. What's today? The sixteenth. Uh, Twelve days. Well, yeah, oh, you both started. It's okay. There you go. June twenty eighth. That's uh, that, that's pretty soon. I wish you a a good summer, a safe summer, a healthy summer, productive summer. Not so much rain, if that's what you wish for. I guess you got but <laughs> better um, than last year. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, I, I I know that the the kids are going to love it. I know it's going to be a great experience, and I wish you a lot of strength. And I'm sure you'll be smiling in September um, when I see you. And uh, uh, and I got to go back to my day job. Yeah, we have disproportionate faces, like inverse inverse faces in, in the calendar calendar months. So. It's all good. Thanks for what you do, and thanks for taking the time in a busy season. And Alan, you should pick up that phone at this point. You know, <laughs> it's ringing uh, in the office in New Jersey. So. To talk to us. Thank you very much. Sorry very about that. I Thank you, Yael. When I turned it off, off, the internet went off. It's connected oh. to the phone, so I I figured I better not better not do that. Okay. All right. It's all good. It's all good. All good right. luck. Okay. Um, and stay safe. Thank you. Thank All you. Right.